Good to be here. It's good to um, have another opportunity to study from God's Word. Appreciate you all being here. Appreciate our visitors being here as well. I wanted to start this evening um, by giving some statistics. And they're going to be a little bit shocking. So let's look at these. Fewer than half of the adults can name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify two or three of the disciples. 60% of Americans can't name five of the Ten Commandments. Pretty shocking. 12% of adults believe that Joan of Arc was Noah's wife. Pretty funny. Over 50% of high school seniors believe Sodom and Gomorrah were husband and wife. Many believe the Sermon on the Mount was preached by Billy Graham. Pretty shocking, isn't it? This comes from an article entitled The Scandal of Biblical Illiteracy, written by a fellow named Albert Moeller. Uh, I believe he's a Baptist preacher, but um, wrote an article, take it for what it's worth. The statistics come from surveys that were done of just people in general. And we can see the illiteracy that's out there about Bible knowledge. There's also some information in here that's from a sermon by Brother Mark Copeland, who is a brother, entitled Biblical Illiteracy. So there's some information in my lesson that came from his lesson. But I thought this was interesting, especially as we're studying, um, you know, surveying the Bible, looking at how the Bible's put together, the books, and, and who wrote them, and those kind of things, deepening our appreciation for God's Word. So I thought this was a pretty good um, uh, companion lesson to go along with what we've been talking about. So there's biblical illiteracy that's pervasive in our world. So, some questions. Do you find this hard to believe? Do you find these statistics hard to believe? If you really think about it, not that shocking, are they? Maybe Sodom and Gomorrah being husband and wife. That was pretty shocking. Pretty funny. So, next question is then, how do we overcome biblical illiteracy? If you're surprised by these statistics and see that and are taken aback by that, how do we overcome biblical illiteracy? Well, I can tell you there's a really easy answer. Read the Bible. It's a very easy answer, a very easy solution to overcoming the illiteracy that we and the world has. And that's to pick up the Bible and read it. So tonight I wanted to consider this, talk about a few things, talk about some dangers of biblical illiteracy, and then we'll wrap up our time, uh, hopefully with some practical application, how we can be better at this, better at reading our Bibles. So let's, talk, let's start by considering the dangers of biblical illiteracy. And biblical illiteracy endangers us. 
In Hosea 4 and verse 6, it says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being my priests. Since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. There's danger in forgetting and not knowing about our God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. In 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 8, here's a consequence for not knowing God. Dealing out retribution to those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. There's punishment. There's consequence for not knowing our God. What's the remedy? You're going to find this is a common theme throughout. What's the remedy? Read the Bible. If you're lacking in the knowledge that you possess about God's Word, read the Bible. Look with me in Psalm chapter 1, or Psalm 1, excuse me. The reason I corrected myself is there's no chapters in Psalms. There's just Psalms. <laughs> Sometimes we, we fall into that and it's just force of habit. Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1, it says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. You ever thought about the word of God in those terms? If we're rooted in the word of God, we're going to prosper. Take delight in God's word. It's okay to do that. Look over in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, beginning of verse 1, says, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. They also do, uh, do no unrighteousness. They walk in his ways. Thou hast ordained thy precepts, that we should keep them diligently. On that my ways might be established to keep thy statutes. And I shall not be ashamed when I... Look upon all thy commandments. I shall give thanks to thee with, un, uh, with uprightness of heart. When I learn thy righteous judgments, I will keep thy statutes. Do not forsake me utterly. All of Psalm 119 talks about uh, the joy of knowing God's word. So if you ever want to uh, look to see how we should meditate on God's word, go to Psalm 119 and read all those passages there about meditating and the joy that these psalmists have in reading and and studying and meditating on God's word. Read the Bible. This is a good remedy for for your own personal um, lack of knowledge in the scriptures. Read the Bible. Biblical illiteracy and dangerous congregations. In Galatians 1, verses 6 and 7, 
Paul admonishes these Galatians, and he says, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. Paul was amazed that they're so quickly turning from what he has taught them to a different gospel, which he says is really not a different gospel. It's just false. These are false teachers. They're leading you astray. And this is a danger for a congregation. In Hebrews 5 and verse 12, it says, though, for though at this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. There's a progression that a congregation needs to go through. Teachers teaching teachers so that the, the, the knowledge can be passed on and we can all grow together. There's danger if the congregation is not growing, if teachers aren't coming out from amongst us. So what's the remedy? You guessed it, read the Bible. Reading the Bible will properly train saints. Look in Ephesians 4. The training that we need to have as saints, as Christians, it's right here in Scripture, beginning verse 11 of Ephesians 4. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ until we attain the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by the wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Saints can grow by reading the Word of God. He's given us this. And he's given us the things that go along with it. Teachers and preachers, elders. All these are done for the equipping of the saints. That the congregation can grow and mature to the fullness that it needs to be. The Bible will properly prepare teachers. Look in 1 Timothy chapter 1. In 1 Timothy 1 beginning in verse 3. As I urge you upon my departure from Macedonia, remain on in Ephesus in order that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrine. Here's an example of what not to teach. Strange doctrine. Nor to pay attention to myths and endless genealogies which give rise to mere speculation rather than furthering the administration of God which is by faith. But the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a good conscience and a sincere faith. For some men, straying from these things, have turned aside to fruitless discussions, wanting to be teachers of the law, even though they do not understand either what they are saying or the matters about which they make confident assertions. Paul, again, warning the the young evangelist Timothy about strange doctrine. Be on the lookout for that and instruct men not to be teaching these things. The Word of God is uh, there to prepare teachers. 
The Word of God will also prepare men to lead as elders. Look over in Titus, a few pages over. As an elder, we expect the man to be knowledgeable in scriptures, to be able to handle the word of truth accurately. And why? Look in verse 7 of Titus chapter 1. For the overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine, not pugnacious, not fond of sordid gain, but what? But hospitable, loving what is good, sensible, just, devout, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word, which is in accordance with the teaching, that he may be able to both exhort and sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. As a leader of the church, an elder must know the word of God. So that when these things pop up, he can be there to contradict false doctrine because he knows when he hears it. The Word of God can do that. All these things strengthen the congregation from the elders on down. Bible illiteracy, and Bible illiteracy endangers our community. In Judges chapter 21 and, and other places, it talks about how in those days there was no king in Israel. We made this point recently going through our survey of the Bible. Those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Can you imagine the state of chaos that that produced? And it did. Everyone just did what they thought was right. There's a big danger in that. Scripture tells us so. Proverbs 14 and 12 and also 16 and 25, there's a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. As we mentioned this morning in the lesson, relying on our own knowledge, our own traditions, that's the way of death. Rather, it should be God's word, reading the Bible, understanding what he has said. Think about the things that give rise or come to rise when everyone does what's right in his own eyes. Have things like this. Abortion. Homosexuality. Adultery. Promiscuity. Gender neutrality. Leaders who lie and are permitted to commit crimes going unpunished. This is the wisdom of men. These things come about because Everyone just did what was right in his own eyes. If you throw away the standard, then you do whatever you want. Biblical illiteracy gives rise to these kinds of things. And it's dangerous, as we know, as we see in the world around us, sadly. What's the remedy? Now it's reading the Bible. Now this is maybe a little difficult try to get the world to read the Bible. But there's some things that are in Scripture about how we are to relate to our government and how we understand who they are and our relationship to them. A couple of examples. Remember the example there when Jesus is asked by the Pharisees, is it right to render a poll tax? One of my favorite passages in Scripture. He says, show me a coin. He said, whose inscription and likeness is on that? And 
they say it's Caesar's. Remember what he says? And render to Caesar that which is Caesar's. And render to God that which is God's. And it shuts them up, as it always does. But there's a relationship there that our Lord is, is communicating. That we have responsibilities to Caesar, to, to our government. We have responsibilities to God as well. We need to make sure we understand where that line is drawn. There's other passages like Romans 13. Go there with me for a second. Romans 13. We're understanding about government. And understanding that God sets up these governments. And we have to be subject to them in the right way. Romans 13, beginning in verse 3. says, For rulers are not a cause for fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for it, uh, for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who pr- practices evil. Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For rulers are servants of God devoting themselves to this very thing. Render to all what is due them, tax to whom taxes due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. We see Paul picking up exactly what our Lord said there. Render to those the things that are due them. Taxes to the government, honor to those who deserve honor, fear to those who fear, Puts government in its proper place. Look also in 1 Timothy 4. I think I may have the wrong reference down here. I do. I'm going to move on to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret. This is here to understand the relationship that we need to have. If there's evil going on, we don't need to participate in it. If there's evil in our government, we just don't participate in it. We expose it instead, properly understanding the word of God. And putting into practice. Are we going to get to our government, our, our society, to read the Bible? That's a hard road to hoe. We can try, and we need to try. But what's important is our understanding of our relationship that we need to have with our government. So, 
We're coming up on the end of the year. 2018 is around the corner. I wanted to challenge us. Put some things up here that some practical ways that we can deepen our appreciation, our study of God's word. First, hold the preacher to account. I think you all know that it's my aim to have Bible-centered lessons. I am not comfortable straying too far from the scriptures. And I don't think it's my place. I think it's my place to point you to the scriptures, to let you see it for yourself. I think that's what preachers and teachers ought to do, is to point you to scripture. I don't, I'm not going to say anything that the word of God can't more beautifully and eloquently say than I can. But hold me to account. If there's something that where I've slipped, if there's uh, something that I'm lacking, if I'm not preaching the whole counsel of God, let me know. Hold me to account. Because I'm here to serve you with biblical teaching and preaching. If I'm not doing that, let me know. You'll be my brother or my sister if you let me know that. I challenge you to study with others. We talk about often about our Bible classes, how we just the being together and studying, bouncing ideas, or at least comments and, and talking about it, helps in your appreciation and your knowledge. Continue that. You can do that outside these walls. Get a couple of people together, have a Bible study. It's very encouraging. And as you're doing that, encourage others to study. There's a lot of people that aren't here tonight. There's reasons for that. But talk to them. Encourage them to study. Encourage them to understand that opportunities to study God's word are precious. And we should take advantage of those. Encourage them. Encourage others, others to study. Invite them to your study. Be a good way to do that. Study with your family. This is so important. We talked this morning about traditions. Traditions handed down from generation to generation. What better way to hand down the proper understanding of God's word than to sit and study with your family? Take that time. It's precious. Those of you who have older kids, I'm not talking to you. Maybe on holidays when you get together, have a Bible study. And those of you who have raised children understand, I'm sure, how important it is to raise your children up in the love and the admonition of the Lord. So take that time to study with your family. And then study on your own. I um, made mention at one point about how my Bible knowledge really grew when I started studying on my own. That yes, it's good to have Bible classes, would you hand those out? It's good to have Bible classes and good to, time to be here together and to study from God's Word and to do your homework and bring that in. But you, I promise you, you'll gain more from your independent study of the Word. 
than anywhere else. So take time this year, this upcoming year, to study the Word of God. What David is handing out is a reading schedule. You've probably seen these before. There's a myriad of them out there. I happen to like this one. It looks like this. Hopefully you can see this and you'll have one in your hand so you can relate to it. This is a 52-week reading through the Bible plan. So if you start on January 1, then December 31st you'll have read through the entire Bible. I've done this before, not this particular one, it was a little bit different one, but I actually like this one a little bit better than the last one I did because of the way it's divided up. There's two ways that you can do this. It's set up to read, so you start here in week one, and on Sunday you read from the epistles, and it starts with Romans. So on Sunday you read Romans chapter one and two. It's not too much to ask, is it? And then on, uh, as I say, Sunday, on Monday, you read books of the law, so you start with Genesis. Read the first three chapters of Genesis on Monday of that week. And then so on all the way through. And I like the way this is broken down. Epistles, the law, history, these kind of go along with the way we are got our survey class set up. So it kind of helps go along with that. Not exactly, but close. Psalms are broken out. I like that fact that every week you read the Psalms. Then there's books of poetry. They're broken out from, Psalms is broken out from that just because of the way it all falls out, starting with Job and going through Proverbs. The books of prophecy, starting with the major prophets and going down. And then the Gospels, reading through this way. And there's, it's cut off down here. I didn't print the whole thing just for sake of uh, the size of the slide here, but Prophets go down from the major down to the minor. And then the Gospels, if you look at the bottom of your sheet there, um, Acts is included at the bottom. And that just, at the bottom of the Gospels, that's just because of the way it all fits together. Acts is not a Gospel, it's a book of history. But that's just the way they grouped it. So you can do it this way, um, which I think is, is an interesting way to do it. Or if you wanted to, you could do it this way. And it would require a little bit more math skills. So if you didn't want to break it up like that, if you wanted to start with the epistles, or if you wanted to start with history uh, or the law and read it in the order in which the books are there, start there with Genesis and go that way. So you pick seven of these, and that's your week, and then you pick the next seven. So you can go down the list like that. Either way you want to do it. Use this chart to your advantage. Use this to help you work through and read through the Bible. It's an important thing. It's an important exercise that we've made mention in classes before that every time you read a book again, you get a little bit more out of it. So it's encouraging to read from the Bible every day. And this is a good way to do it. And if you're like me, I love checklists. You know why? Because I love checking those things off. I love it. Sometimes I'll put something on there and put a check right by it if I've already done it. I just love to see those check marks on there. Have this at your desk. Have this by your favorite easy chair. One other thing I might 
make mention of you. How many of you have more than one Bible? Probably a lot of you, right? Take a different Bible, one that you don't maybe use, a different Bible. How you have more than one Bible? Take a different Bible that you may not use all that much or don't use when you come here and stick your reading list inside that and read from that Bible. Things are going to be in different places. It's going to spur your mind a little bit to think about things a little bit differently just because of the spatial relationship. I do this a lot because I know, if I don't know exactly where the verse is, I know it's on this page on the left-hand side at the top. I can find it that way. Stimulate your brain a little bit differently. Get your brain working a little bit differently. Read from a different Bible. That'll be encouraging as well. So it all comes down to reading the Bible. The lesson tonight was on uh, biblical illiteracy and the dangers there when people don't know their Bible, people don't know Scripture. And the remedy is easy. It's right in front of us. Read the Bible. So I hope this has been encouraging to you. I hope there's some practical applications. If you have any questions or thoughts or comments or anything else, please come and see me. There's other things I can share with you. But being involved in God's word, being immersed in God's word, will build your faith. And so I encourage you in the upcoming year to do that. We have some things planned for the upcoming year. We have a gospel meeting in February. We have an annual theme that we're going to do. I don't know that we've announced this um, yet or not. But we're going to have an annual theme for 2018. And that theme is going to be confidently approaching the throne of grace. We've talked about this in a Bible class recently. About when someone asks you, are you going to heaven? What's the answer? Well, I hope so. We want to change that thinking. We want to change that so when someone says, are you going to heaven? You're going to say, yes. And so our theme for next year is going to be confidently approaching the throne of grace. The Hebrew writer in Hebrews 4 verse 16 talks about that. About being able to confidently approach the throne of grace. So we're going to have some lessons coming up on that. Like I said, it's going to be a year-long theme. I hope we'll be encouraged by it. It's going to focus us. It's going to help us to um, hopefully be better disciples of Christ. And we're going to talk about that along the way and some application and things that we can do so that we can indeed confidently approach God's throne. So some challenges for you. I encourage you to take them on. Hold me accountable, too. Ask me, Kevin, where are you in checklist? Because I plan to do it. I plan to do this very same checklist. So let's hold each other to account. One of the things that worries me most is if I don't get to heaven, I'll never see my daddy again. I'm right with you, brother. I have somebody waiting there for me, too. And so... I think we all have someone that we'd like to see. Confidently. So be confident. Be assured of your faith. And being immersed in God's word will help that. We offer an invitation at the close of our time here. If you're not a child of God, you have an opportunity to, to become one. Or if you're falling down in your faith, your faith is not strong, 
and you need the prayers of the congregation, we can help you with that as well. Whatever your needs might be, come forward as we stand and sing to encourage you. <laughs>